Good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. My name is Matt. If you're new here, if this is your first time, welcome. So glad you're with us. If you're joining us online for the first time, welcome. Uh, we are in a sermon series in the book of Mark. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 3. We're going to spend our morning there. It's a special morning. It's been a great time of worship. I always enjoy the time that we get to share in communion. Uh, just so powerful that we can take that time to remember the sacrifice that Christ made for us. Um, along those lines, um, Lent is about to begin in just a few weeks, and um, we have a Lenten Bible study we're going to be doing together as a church. I'm really excited about this. It's a daily Bible study we'll go through as a church together, and um, we have some of those available uh, out at the, it's right beside the welcome table out there, so if you'd like to pick one up, we have, I think, like 20 copies, and um, if you, if we run out of those, it's much cheaper, actually, if you buy it digitally online. So if you're one of those Kindle people or Apple Books or something like that, you can get it much cheaper online. But uh, we'll be starting that at the start of Lent, so we're excited to be doing that together. Lent is the uh, time of preparation for celebrating Holy Week or remembering uh, Christ's resurrection at Easter. So... Lent is that time of 40 days before the, the resurrection that we celebrate at Easter. So that's kind of what that's all about. We want to take that time to think about, to meditate on, and really, really let that sink in. To prepare our hearts for that huge celebration um, that we're going to celebrate at Easter time. So every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday, by the way. Every, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday, but at Easter we take that time to remember that together and celebrate as a church. Another thing along those lines, too, is uh, Easter's a great time to invite our friends, invite our neighbors. It's, it's kind of uh, that time of year where people kind of expect people to go to church. So if you've been thinking about inviting that person that you've been kind of working on or sharing the gospel with or just sharing your life with in hopes that you have that opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with, Easter is a great excuse to invite them to come to church on Easter. So I'd encourage you to do that as well. All right. We have another really cool thing coming up at the end of the service. Uh, we're going to do a ministry fair today, and we're going to be introducing to you all of the ministry leaders here at Mission View Church specifically around the ministry areas that happen on Sunday mornings because in six weeks we're going to be moving into our new facility and that means there's going to be a ton of different things that we do. Uh, as we've met here at Hoover High School over the last eight and a half years, um, it's been great and there's been many service opportunities with the setup team and I don't know if you know this or not, but this entire PA system we set up every Sunday uh, they, the teams get here really early in the morning and spend a lot of time getting all of this set up so that we can do worship here. Uh, but the new building is going to bring all, all types of new challenges and new opportunities for people to use their gifts and skills. So uh, today at the end of the service, we're going to do that. I'm excited for you to meet some of our ministry leaders and hear about some opportunities that are going to come with the new building. So, all right. Have you ever talked about something with someone? And as they're talking about it, you can just tell that they're over the moon excited. You know, there, there's, there's something going on in their life, or they experience something in their life that it obviously had a huge impact on them. They just, they won't stop talking about it. Their, their voice gets louder and louder, and they're just like, they're just 
overwhelmed with excitement about what's going on. Kind of like the Bengals going to the Super Bowl, right? Go Bengals, yeah. So, but anyways, no, it's just one of those things that's just, they just won't stop talking about. And, and when you talk to them and you hear them talk about it, you can, you sense that. And, and you're hearing that and it, it kind of draws you in a little bit. You're like, well, this just sounds really cool. You know, maybe it was a documentary they watched or, or maybe it was a band they went to see or, or maybe it was a, a, a sermon they had heard and you're listening to them talk about it and you're just like, yeah, I kind of want to check this out. I mean, do you have the website or anything? Who was it? Where, where, where did you go? What, what was the experience like? And it, it draws you in. And the next thing you know, you're kind of excited. You're like, oh, man, I can't wait to get home and watch this documentary. This is going to be really good. You know, so-and-so said it was so good, and they wouldn't stop talking about it. And it's just, it's a, it just goes on. And then the next thing you know, you're, you're somewhere else, talking to someone else. And you're like, have you watched this documentary? I haven't watched it yet, but so-and-so was talking about it. And he said it was amazing. You know, I, you know, I can't wait to get home and watch this, but he's saying this about it and this, and, and it just kind of proliferates and goes out into all these different circles of people you talk to, and the next thing you know, it has 20 million views on YouTube or whatever it is, and it's just this famous, famous thing because of the excitement that people have about it. And it's not just some hollow, shallow excitement. It's an excitement because it had a real life impact on them. What we're going to see today when we, we look at this scripture is that Jesus' ministry had kind of just snowballed. These miracles he was working, the truth that he was sharing, his lifestyle that he was living was this example and powerful, powerful thing that people were witnessing. And it just went on and on through, through so many people, hundreds, thousands of people at this time were excited about this Jesus, this Messiah, this healer, this truth speaker. He was changing people's lives. And this was, this was just going out and everybody was hearing about it. And what we're going to see today is that Jesus couldn't even get away from the crowds. People were so excited. They were, they were so amazed that they just couldn't get enough of Jesus. They would surround him. They would come to him at all the time, everybody wanted to meet Jesus. Everybody wanted to meet Jesus. And it's this amazing thing. One thing I want to point out before we read this text today is that Jesus tries to withdraw from the crowds. He start off the text today and it says Jesus withdrew. And there towards the end of the text that we'll talk about today, it says that Jesus goes home. He's trying to eat some food. Or he's trying to withdraw with his disciples. He's trying to have that time alone. But the crowds wouldn't leave him alone. The Bible says that if we lift Jesus up, he will draw people to himself. And our job as Christians is to share our story. People were sharing the story of Jesus. And when we lift Jesus high, it's him who draws people unto himself. So as you listen to the sermon today, that's the heart of the sermon. God is calling us to be a people that tell his story and tell our story of how he's impacted our lives. That's who God's calling us to be. Let's pray before we read this text this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of your son. And as we celebrated communion this morning, as we confessed our sins before you and we remembered 
the sacrifice that Christ made, that his body was broken and his blood was shed. Lord, I pray as we look into your word and continue in worship today that you would restore the joy of our salvation. That you would remind us of the powerful work that you've done in our hearts and in our lives. And that it would overflow into our daily lives and our walks and and relationships with people that don't know you. Give us opportunity to share the joy of our salvation. Thank you for your word. May it change us and grow us and make us the people you've called us to be by the power of your spirit. God, I pray that you would use me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's pick this up in Mark chapter 3. It says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Edomai, and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. He told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. Can you imagine that? Let's just stop for a second. Hey, we're going to go to the sea here, um, but uh, you know what? Let's have a boat ready because this crowd that is coming, I mean, they could crush us here. Let's get a boat ready. Uh, This is getting out of hand. There's wild people following us, but there's a reality here that he could be crushed. And it says, For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. Now the first thing I kind of want us to observe about this, this crazy scene. If you can imagine this crazy scene, I forget what movie it was, but it reminded me of this scripture. It was Superman. It was some Superman movie. I think it was like Superman versus Batman or something. And the movie starts out with this, with Superman um, in South America somewhere. And he is, he's just being enveloped by this crowd and he's, he's kind of reaching out, you know, and I think the, the producer of the movie kind of did this on purpose. He must have read the Bible at some time. But the, this crowd is like pushing in on him and reaching and touching him. And he's kind of reaching out to the sky. And that just reminds me of this picture, this, that Jesus, this Son of God, the Messiah, God in the flesh, had been made known to thousands of people. And all these people had heard about it and seen these miracles. And day after day, they would run to Jesus to to see what he would do and to, to hear the truth that he would speak in such powerful ways that it was changing people's lives. It, it pierced deep down into people's hearts. And they would leave there different than when they walked in. And they were just, just encroaching on him that he could be crushed. Word about Jesus had gotten around and things were getting out of control. How did Jesus become so popular? I mean, how did this this ministry that Jesus was doing, this work that Jesus was doing, become so popular? It was because people were sharing about what Jesus had done. They had become so excited. They were telling the stories. You're not going to believe this. I was living my life doing what I was supposed to do. I was in search of the American dream. Prosperity and happiness. I was doing, doing it. I was going to work, doing the Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. I went to college. I got my degree. I was in my line, my field of work. 
I'd, I'd arrived. I had a house, a wife, two kids, and a dog. Never a cat, only a dog. I was living the American dream. And then I heard this story. Somebody's telling me about this guy named Jesus. He had done these miracles. He had healed people. But this guy, as he was telling me about Jesus, he wasn't just telling these stories about this man who lived 2,000 years ago that healed people and saved people. He was saying that this Jesus saved him. Man, I thought I had, I thought I had arrived. I thought I was living the American dream. But this guy's telling me that there's so much more. That this, this wanting, this emptiness that I had sensed all my life, this, this hole inside of me, there was something more. I knew there was something more than the nine to five, the American dream. I knew there had to be something greater, something stronger. That this, this money I had in my bank account and this marriage that I had that was wonderful and these children that I was raising were amazing. All these things couldn't fulfill and couldn't sustain a joy that I, I needed, that I was desperate for. And then I hear this guy talk about this Jesus who, who he was living the American dream and he was pursuing these things and, and he had, you know, he had done some questionable things like all of us do, but we're good people. But those things do haunt us from time to time. And he said that he found true joy. He found happiness. And he, he found forgiveness. And that emptiness, this emptiness that he talked about that I've been sensing my entire life, he said it was, it was filled. That he had found lasting hope. Lasting joy. And that his life had been turned around. He met Jesus. And Jesus healed him. And Jesus gave him purpose and hope and a mission. He was invited into this, this story of creator and creation, of Savior and chosen people that, that God had called him into his family. And it wasn't just this joy in the temporary and what we see now and bank accounts and and houses and these things that will burn. It was eternity. It was forever. We have a story to tell. Each and every one of us, Jesus has changed us. If you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, and like the song we sang, we are who he says we are, child of God, set free. We are free indeed. You have a story to tell. I talk to so many people as we, we talk about our testimony or, or our story. Like, Matt, you know, you hear testimonies about people and they have real testimonies. You know, they were, they were into drugs and they were living that life and they stole things and they did all these terrible things and when they finally hit rock bottom Jesus showed up to them and and they gave their life to Christ and it was a total 180 it, they were freed from drug addiction immediately and they they became you know church members at this church and now they share their testimony it's a it's a powerful life changing testimony and and that's it's amazing and and that's great. 
I love hearing those testimonies. They're so, they're, they're impactful, and, and it's awesome to hear how God can change people. But let me tell you, that testimony is no more powerful than the testimony I hear from someone who met Jesus in second grade, in chapel service, or at church, in children's church. And they prayed, and they said, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to live my life for you. And for the next 50 years, God sustains them and holds them in his hands and protects them from drug addiction and sin and just does the work of forgiveness and, and, and sanctification as he protects them and guides them through life. That is just as a powerful testimony as the one who's been freed from drugs. Here's why. We make our testimony about the sins that we've committed. When our testimony isn't about what we've done, it's about what he's done. We all share the same testimony, and it's this, that God so loved me that he sent his only son to die for a sinner like me who did nothing to merit it, nothing to deserve it, but in his grace and rich love sent his son to live the perfect life I couldn't live. He knew I would struggle and fall and fail and sin. So he sent Jesus to be victorious and live a perfect life, never sinning in thought or deed. And then Jesus died a sinner's death on the cross. For me, that's what I deserve because of my sinful thoughts and my sinful deeds. You see, what we miss is the joy of our salvation. We look back at our lives, and I don't know how it happens. It happens slowly over time that, that we, we forget what we've been saved from. And we forget what we've been saved to. We get caught up in the monotony and repetition, and we forget the joy of our salvation. Do you remember do you remember what you've been saved from? Do you know what you've been saved to? The world will give you all kinds of titles and brands and, and things that you can call yourself. I'm this, I'm that. I do this, therefore I am this. And as we read scripture, what we find out is that the only identity we truly can grasp onto, the only identity that really can define who you and I are is found in His Word. That we are children of the Most High King. And let me just say, in our world today, that is one of the most important things our world can hear. Because we want to define ourselves. I want to say who I am. I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want this book to tell me who I am, what gender I am, who I should marry. No, no, no. I want to decide that myself. No. We've, we've been down this road. History is repeating itself over and over again, over and over and over and over again. You think the gender battle's a new thing? Give me a break. It's been going on since Noah from the very beginning. It's not new. We've gone down this road and we crashed that ship a long time ago. What we need is for God to tell us who we are. We need 
that life-changing, new life that only Christ can give. Don't let your teacher tell you who you are. Don't let your professor tell you who you are. Go to God's Word and see who Jesus says you are. He's the only one who can show us those things. Remembering the joy of our salvation. That first filling in your notes is we have a story to tell. And how will they hear if nobody tells them? How will they know if nobody shows them? Mission View Church, this is what God is calling us to. That we would be a people that tell and share the story of Jesus Christ. How he has saved us. How he has changed us. And when we lift Jesus high, he will do what only he can do and draw people unto himself. That's what God does. And that's what God's calling us to. Let's pick it up again in verse 13. You know what? Before we do, I got to share this. I I just got to share this. I say we have to remember the joy of our salvation. And I don't know if you've met those people or not, but they go to share their testimony, and it's the Eeyore testimony. Have you heard those? Well, we're called to suffer for Jesus. I just want to invite you in to suffer, suffer for Jesus. If you heard that, you've heard that testimony, right? You're just like, we have, we, we have like one of the most amazing, life-changing gifts in the person of Jesus Christ. New life that he raises us from the dead and gives us new life. And um, there is suffering in, in the Christian life, don't get me wrong. God calls us to suffer with and praise the Lord for that. But there is a joy in salvation that should come across in our testimonies, right? Like, like the very spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, lives inside of us. Like, wow. You know, there is power and life and joy in our testimony. So I, when I talk about sharing our story, it's, it's not the Eeyore testimony. It is the joy of our salvation testimony. I just want to... You know, make sure we're clear on that one. But verse 13, it goes on, he says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him, and he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve. I think it's interesting to note there were twelve disciples in twelve tribes in the Old Testament. I think those, that's so cool how God does these things and what this represents If I had another hour, we could dive into that, but I won't. Simon, whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave gave the name Bonegris. That is sons of thunder. That's another thing I'd love to talk a little bit more about, sons of thunder. Why? But anyways, verse 18, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon, the zealot. I, I would talk more about zealot too. I love that word. But anyways... Uh, we won't go there. In the last, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. The second thing I kind of want us to mull over or look at here is that we need to disciple the people that God has given us influence over in our circle of influence. Look for leaders. Look for learners. Look for those who respond to the gospel or are interested in hearing more. 
Now, before Jesus did this, it's, it's not actually in the Gospel of Mark, but it's in the same story in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus spent all night in prayer before going out the next day to call the disciples and the apostles. You can find it in Luke 6, 12. So Jesus didn't do this, you know, off of a whim. He didn't just go out there and this was not planned. This was something Jesus went to the Father about, prayed about, and then did. We, the same way, we have a story to tell, we tell the story, and we look to see who responds to that story, and then we disciple those people, those people in our circle of influence, the people that God brings to us, and the opportunity that God gives with us. Jesus spent three years of his life with these guys. He gave his life with these guys. Time, I mean, day after day after day. They walked together. They had meals together. Jesus was with them. Invite people into your life. You know, it's, it's, I know we're in COVID and everything else, but, uh, you know, praying that as it dies down, we invite people into our homes. We share meals with them. We share our lives with them. One of the ways we do that practically just within our church body is through community groups. We do life together with one another. We don't want, you know, there's no lone rangers in Christianity. God's called us to be in community with one another. But I would challenge you to bring people who don't know Christ into your, your circle of influence, into your home to have dinner with them and have the hard conversations. Let them ask you some hard questions. Why do you go to church every Sunday? Hey, is it really that important? I mean, I know you're spiritual and everything else, but why would you go to church every Sunday? I mean, isn't that a great question? That's a great question. What an opportunity to answer, right? That's a great question to answer. Oh, I, I don't just go every Sunday. I should give money to my church. Wait, what? You what? Why would you do that? Oh, man, let me tell you why. Man, you talk about gospel opportunities. I mean, this is amazing stuff. Jesus invited people into his life. It wasn't just come follow me, go have a good time. It was come follow me, come live life with me. Spend the time with me. I want to give you three ways that Jesus discipled the disciples. And these are three things that we can do as well. First of all, he modeled how to live humbly, selflessly, and sacrificially. Jesus modeled for the disciples how to live humbly, selflessly, and sacrificially. It's one thing to talk about Christianity and to your friends or coworkers or people who don't know him. It's another thing to actually live that Christianity out in front of them. To live humbly with them. The Bible says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Let each of us look not only to our own interests, but also the interests of others. That kind of humility, that I would think of others better than myself, living out life like that in front of people. Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. Gross. I'm just going to say it. Gross. I mean, these guys wore sandals. They walked miles and miles every day. You can imagine what feet were like back then. Jesus would wash the disciples' feet before they took communion. It was something so unheard of, so out of the box, so wrong. It was actually wrong that Jesus would do that. That's humility. That's what Jesus modeled. Living sacrificially, doing life with these guys, taking the time, investing in them selflessly and sacrificially. We can do this. 
We can do this practically with our neighbors, helping them shovel their driveways and inviting them over for dinner, or inviting them out to dinner, serving them, showing them God's love in practical and tangible ways. Kind of what we're trying to do with our Reflect ministry. Give them that, that little gift bag and just say, hey, I know this is a small thing. I just want to show you God's love in a practical way. A simple, practical way. The second way is he taught them and answered their questions. He taught them and answered their questions. People have questions. When you invite people into your life and you start sharing your life with people, they're going to start asking you questions. You go to church on Sunday mornings. You go to this like Bible study group, community group thing through the week. I mean, your kids are involved. You have other friends. Why are you doing all this? Who is Jesus to you? Why do you read the Bible all the time? Why do you re reference it all the time? What's, it, what's so special about that book? What's so special about the way you're living? Why is it different? Answer their questions. Now, that's what Jesus did. And we, I'll just give you, give you it real quick. We're not Jesus, <laughs> right? We're not going to have all the answers to everybody's questions. And you know what? That's okay. One of the best one of the best answers you can give to hard theological questions you are asked is, you know what? I don't know. That is a really, really good question. Why don't we go to God's Word about it together? Why don't we pray about that? That is a great question. We can seek this out together. That just honest, open answer, you can call the church, talk to one of the pastors, and I tell you, we get tons of questions, so we've probably heard the question you're going to get. We could talk with you about it. But yeah, answer their questions. And you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to have the love of Jesus. And God's going to do his thing. What an opportunity we have. All right, last, the third one. Last one is Jesus laughed, cried, and suffered with him. And that's what Jesus calls us to do. Laugh, cry, and suffer with it. That's what, that's what doing life together with people really means. It is so much more than a, hi, how are you, have a great day. It is so much more than, hey, man, I hear we're getting three inches of snow next week. That's great, yeah, yep, spring's almost here, see you next week doing life together, what God's called us to do is have real relationship. When Jesus, when Jesus called Matthew the tax collector, when he called Levi, he didn't just set him loose. I mean, he, this traitor against his own people, he discipled him. He laughed with him. He cried with him. And he did life with him. And we can do this. We have the same opportunity to do that with people who don't know Jesus. Share your life. In a world of isolation and disconnect, get connected. Build those relationships and see what God does. See the opportunities that he allows into your life. The last one, number three, your last fill-in today, we find in verse 20 and 21. The fill-in is this. We all need someone who has our back. But here's what was kind of going on in this craziness, this crazy time of Jesus' ministry. It says in verse 20, then he went home. This text starts out, he withdrew, and it ends with, he went home. But the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. 
And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying he is out of his mind. Jesus couldn't get away. He couldn't get away. And I mean, how, how would we expect him to, right? He's healing people. He's sharing the truth of the gospel. He's showing true forgiveness for sin. He's bringing in, he's ushering in this new era of grace. He's fulfilling the law. I mean, you can't blame the people for going to that, right? But even Jesus needed somebody to be like, all right, the dude's got to have lunch. Even Jesus needed to eat. He needed to have some food. And we all need people in our lives. Now, that word there in the Greek for family was actually not just like his mother or brothers or anything. It was his friends. They were seeing what was going on, how he's ministering night and day, how he couldn't escape these things. And they were coming alongside him and saying, all right, all right, everybody. Jesus hasn't had food. He needs some food. And we all need people in our lives like that, right? To come alongside us. And as we're ministering and, and doing the things that God's called us to, that we would do it together. Even Jesus had family and friends that came alongside him in ministry and were like, all right, everybody, chill out, all right? You're just going to grab dinner. 15 minutes, we'll be back. You know, that kind of thing. But Jesus calls us into ministry together. Don't go it alone. As you're reaching out to your neighbors, as you're reaching out to your coworkers, and you're, you're reaching out to those, those pre-Christians that God has put in your circle of influence, bring somebody else into it. You don't have to go about it alone. You could say something like this. You could say, hey, man, it'd be great to grab coffee. I would love to talk to you more about this. Uh, in fact, I've got a friend who's he's in my community group, and, and he loves talking about this kind of stuff, too. Maybe the three of us could grab dinner. Maybe the three of us could meet at Starbucks while they're not open yet. We could meet at a coffee shop, Panera Bread, and we could grab some coffee and kind of hang out and talk about these things. Don't go about it alone. We serve a God that exists in community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They exist three in one. They exist in community. They created us, God created us, to live in community with each other. And we are better together. Don't go about it alone. What an amazing opportunity we have. What an amazing, it's every day. The church isn't a building that we come to. The church is us, a people that God has called, that God has changed. And now he tells us to go and tell the story about who he is and what he's done. If we're going to reach the 200,000 that God has called us to, we have to go and do this. We have to be a people about his business, a people so changed by who he is and what he's done. My prayer is that God, by the power of his spirit, would just invoke a passion inside of us, a passion inside of us that just overflows to everyone that we meet. Let's pray that, especially as we take the time of Lent and do the 40-day the study, that we would be focusing on that kind of thing. How can we tell his story? How can we share the good news with others? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy of our salvation. 
God, help us, help us to not forget what you've saved us from. Help us not forget what you've saved us to, that we have an eternity with you, God. And I, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would, would just restore the joy of our salvation, that it would come out in our conversations, that you would give us opportunities to share the good news with others. God, come and do what only you can do in our hearts and in our lives. Change us for your glory and your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.